I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. And this is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, and infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, fools. It's definitely researched. First of all, before we get started, please, everyone, remember to donate to us on glow.fm slash welcome my vagina. The reason we keep going is because of people like you. And if you donate money to us, we can give you more things. Also, a big thank you to all of our new listeners and the people who have been leaving us reviews. It really, really, really helps to shoot us up in um, all the findings and stuff. So rate us, review us, share with your friends. Yeah. Give us attention. Yeah. We thrive off of it. We thrive off of it. (laughs) So today we are going to talk about Title IX. And before that, we're going to talk about what, Rebecca? Sports. <laughs> and why are we talking about sports? Because although Title IX is not only about sports, which we learned recently, um, <laughs> it did actually help a lot with sports. Mm-hmm. So if a we, lot. yeah, like if we look at... Especially for the females. Especially for the females. Because there has to be equal spending in sports programs for male and female athletes. If you've noticed, Megan Rapinoe. Rap on no, yeah, <laughs> fighting for equal pay, right? Considering that they're better team, yeah, infuriating. So yeah, that's under that's because of Title IX that they're facing that lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it goes beyond equal pay to be like you know equal access to facilities and training and all this kind of stuff, but it's what allows women uh, to start playing sports earlier. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're so competitive on the international stage, um, specifically in women's athletics, because our girls start playing sports earlier yeah. that's why we dominate because of title nine because of title nine there's no more calisthenics which apparently was the thing that we were yeah one of the two options that we had yeah and it was only passed in 1972 yeah which wasn't that long ago <laughs> so like i don't know how old all of you guys are but probably your moms were in school 
before. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah, before Title IX went into effect. That's crazy. Ask them about their gym classes. Oh yeah. And like what classes they were able to take. And then tell us about it. I want to know. Yeah, That's send crazy. us an email. Welcome to my vagina at gmail.com. We want to hear your mom's stories. Yeah, like what if men were playing baseball and women could only hula hoop? I mean, that sounds kind of fun. It does sound fun. I would so much I was just I- <laughs> That being said though, I'd like the option to play baseball exactly. and say no. <laughs> Thank you, Title IX. <laughs> Specially designed bicycles with various kinds of handlebars have been scientifically conceived to exercise the waist and keep it supple. Title IX is federal law that prohibits gender discrimination in education. So it bans all discrimination on the basis of sex and gender. So the what it reads is, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in be denied benefits of or be subjected to discrimination discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Mm-hmm. So if the government gives money to a school for activities in or after school, mm-hmm. they have to be given to men and women. Right. And I feel like we've been hearing about a lot about Title IX a lot in, in relation to college campuses and female sports teams and equal funding. As we said in the intro, I actually didn't know this, but apparently it's been out in the world but the mra suing the university over women only scholarships like yale and usc who had programs exclusively for women will you tell our listeners what the mra is? oh my god i'm sorry yeah <laughs> sorry the mra is men's rights activists <laughs> one time i wrote a blog post about men's rights activists and like their their higher-ups mm. sent me all of these emails and comments and i was like <laughs> nobody reads this like First literally all, nobody reads my blog except for the men's rights activists except they the find activists. everything and when you said higher-ups all i could think of was men cloaked in like these giant hoods yeah <laughs> in the basement of like some it was so crazy i couldn't believe oh it i was reading this shit and i was like give me a fucking break get out- no they find everything they find everything i get no attention until i write something about incels yep. or men's rights activists and then they're all over the place it's like yeah. they don't leave their computer yeah they must have google alerts set up for all that shit yeah it's really like hashtagged out they're yeah all just, or like somebody's always like they're always like, like say lou has to stay on the computer like they only have always have one guy who has <laughs> to pay lou. attention <laughs> Like, hey, Lou, we're going out for some tacos. Make sure those fucking women don't write anything crazy. Right? Meanwhile, this is going to be our most listened to episode ever. <laughs> okay. So wait, Title so Nine. So they're suing Yale for doing a scholarship or something for women? I don't know when it happened. I act- I was wow. listening to uh, Unladylike and they said it and I didn't look too much into it, but I was like, oh, wow, that's hilarious. That's fantastic. Of all of the programs that men have all to themselves. <laughs> I know. Um... The scope of Title IX is actually really, really big. So as we said, any institution that receives federal money from the education department, so that includes state and local educational agencies, and they include something like 16,500 local school districts, 7,000 post-secondary institutions, charter schools, for-profit schools, libraries, and museums. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me. I didn't know at all that it had to do with K through 12, but it also relates to sexual harassment, violence, and discrimination in K through 12 schools in a really big way. And K through 12 outnumbers college students like three to one. Yeah. You know, the amount of college, like college students in public schools outweighs college students, but we only hear about it in terms of college, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's largely, as you mentioned before, that it's come into general conversation because of 
the changes in the way Title IX is used in college by the Obama administration mm-hmm. and then again by the Trump administration insofar as institutions respond to accusations of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so much bigger than that. And in fact, yeah. when we think when we're talking about bathroom laws. Yeah. That's also Title IX is that people are able discrimination. Should, yeah, it's it's sex based discrimination, mm-hmm. and harassment. So Title IX would allow for, in theory, I would imagine, if I'm wrong, please uh, send us to. an email. Yeah, would protect people to use the bathroom that reflects their gender expression. Absolutely. Because otherwise it's discrimination. Right. But a lot of school districts and the federal government wish they didn't have to deal with Title IX at all. And right. a lot of people, and, and not not to say that like there's, that it's always some insidious thing. I think in a lot of ways our society also doesn't want to look at our children and think that they're being violated or discriminated in any sort of way. Right. Like shining a light in those areas has always been just a thing that we don't fucking do. You know, it's another reason why we don't teach sex education. And it's also why we're not giving people the tools to acknowledge what harassment is, why it's wrong and how to like take the proper channels. Like, do you know that New York City has one Title IX coordinator? I did not know For that. For all of the public schools. There is only one Title IX coordinator and it's not their like only official job. Wow. All the schools, they only have one person. So in New York City, New York City public school system is the largest in the United States. Mm-hmm. There are 1.1 million students who are yep. taught in more than 1,700 public schools with a budget of nearly $25 billion. Mm-hmm. That 1.1 million to one. Yeah. So just because, you know, Title IX exists as a thing yeah. doesn't mean that it always um, that people get there, get heard. Yeah, I mean, t- and honestly, like teachers are already juggling enough with the little funding that we already give them. Right. And so like a lot of this stuff kind of just gets swept under the rug. I mean, sometimes because people don't want to deal with it, but also sometimes because people literally don't even have time to notice it. Yeah. That it's happening. Absolutely. One of the rules under Title IX is that a recipient of education department funds cannot retaliate against any individual or individuals for opposing an unlawful educational practice or policy. So if somebody is, if you are to make a Title IX complaint, you cannot be retaliated against in any way by the institution about which you are complaining. And yet they are. And yet they are, because everybody, if you haven't listened yet to our interview with Donna Freitas from last episode, some of the fear that she had about making this Title IX complaint Mm -hmm. was about what impact it would have on her career. Yeah. So that's just a, a thing to keep in mind if ever you're in a position to make a title line complaint just make sure you know what your rights are mm-hmm. because you are protected yeah so when was it passed where did it come from where did it come from it came from women who were fed up with sexist rejection man that's where it came from <laughs> yeah so like before title nine female college students were barred from like stereotypical male majors like criminal justice medicine yep and they also had curfews, apparently, that they couldn't stay out past midnight in colleges. It also affected uh, professors on college campuses mm-hmm. who didn't get uh, fair pay and oftentimes weren't offered tenure positions that and, their male colleagues got. Yeah, and 90% of them were male. Right. Around the 60s, this woman, Bernice Resnick Sandler, a.k.a. Bunny, a.k.a. the godmother of Title IX, who just died last year. Oh, R.I.P. Bunny. R.I.P. Bunny. Um, she'd gotten turned down from a faculty job that she should have gotten hands down, but was told that she came on too strong for a woman. <laughs> um, we're still hearing that today. Yeah, we're still, we're still <laughs> hearing that fun little thing. But she started, so she started researching how schools were getting away with this super blatant sexism. And what she found was that educational institutions could absolutely discriminate based on sex and hiring. And if you were a federal contractor, like if your organization got 
money from the gov federal government, like you said earlier, it was totally illegal. So she teamed up with Representative Edith Green from Oregon and Patsy Mink. She was a representative of Hawaii. Wow. And Patsy Mink uh, was rejected by a dozen medical schools because they had absolutely no interest in training female doctors. And yeah. that's probably why she got into politics. Yeah. Um, so it was passed ultimately um, on June 23rd, 1972, mm -hmm. uh, with the express purpose that, quote, no educational opportunity is denied to women on the basis of sex and that women are granted equal opportunity to aspire, achieve, participate in, and contribute to society based on their individual talents and capacities. Um, so it was signed into law under Richard Nixon and was sponsored by Birch Evans By Jr., who is the Democratic senator from Indiana, with Edith Green, who is a Democratic representative from Oregon, who, as we mentioned, uh, also sponsored the Equal Pay Act of 1963. Hmm. So she was busy. Busy girl. Yeah, obviously it took a long time to actually take effect because obviously it was highly objected from the NCAA and college coaches who were afraid that men's sports would go bankrupt, which big surprise. <sighs> they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. They did not. Yeah. So I'm super interested because, again, had no idea how important it was to high schools. So Holly Knox came in in the 1970s. Um, inspired by these awesome women, quit her government job and founded the Project Peer, Project on Equal Education Rights, and really kind of enforced the fight for Title IX in K through 12. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So Peer was grassroots activism that was used, that used like plain language to help parents and teachers understand, which would be awesome because I feel like nobody fucking knows what Title IX actually means and how sex stereotypes were embedded in the in the student textbooks in general yeah i mean i th I think that's part of the thing about the way that documents and things are written is that i think this about like bank lending i mm -hmm. think that people are intentionally misled and so people make think that they don't have the rights that they actually have yeah. or don't understand things because it's it's intentionally done that way yeah because it's a headache to have to litigate shit in court yeah and apparently it's a headache to not discriminate against our children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're still we're still fighting these battles today, yeah. you know? So I learned a lot of this information on Unladylike Podcast. So I definitely want to put that out there. But this is one of my favorite things that they said, which was that in 1978, they handed out Silver Snail Awards that highlighted who was dragging their feet on Title IX. That's awesome. Which is so like the uh, like the Razzies. Uh-huh. It's so cool. But That's like school awesome. board members, superintendents, presidents, like if they were like dragging their feet, they would get it's a like the snail, snail of shame. So yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So it's I mean, it's great because it's some of the there's been some really, really amazing impacts mm -hmm. um of Title Nine. So according to the Justice Department, um, by around two thousand and nine, eighty seven percent of women had at least a high school education and twenty eight percent had a high school degree degree. Or college degree up from 59% having a high school education, 8% having a college degree back in 1970. Wow. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And women now have higher graduation rates and lower high school dropout rates than their male counterparts. Mm -hmm. They earn more advanced degrees. Female participation in both high school and college athletics have risen dramatically. There's a sharp ra rise in workforce participation among women, increased wages, better overall health, access to health care. So, I mean, it's really, there's some really great stuff. Yeah. Billy King. Yeah. 1973, Billy King played against Bobby Riggs in what they called the Battle of the Sexes. 
She defeated Riggs in three straight sets, six to four, six to three, six to three. It was obviously a publicity stunt, but it also really boosted the credibility of women's participation in major sports. Yeah. And that's has a lot to do with Title IX. Yeah, it really does. It really boosted women in athletics. Because um, it allowed them to get training and also they had to be, inc- you know, they had to be included. She paved yeah. the way for, you know, looking today, Serena Williams. Takes that one person just like Serena Williams has really paved the way for black women in tennis. Yeah. She made the impossible, the seemingly impossible possible. Mm-hmm. And Title IX, I think, has really been um, like a buoy to a lot of women in sports and in academics. So, yeah, it's been done a really great thing in terms of paving the way for sports. And I think what's happening now is that there's been so much like legal back and forth that it hasn't necessarily trickled down to K through 12 schools in terms of discrimination and harassment. And there is actually uh, Girls for Gender Equity um, is an organization which is committed to physical, psychological, social and economic development of girls and women. And what they're trying to do is kind of push Title IX even further they kind of noted that by 2015, every state had laws on the books requiring schools to establish clear anti-bullying policies and complaint procedures. And that comes from like lower level local people and communities actually learning about what these programs are. And so they're not pushing total nine because like, why can't we just do that with sexual harassment, with anti-bullying, right? We know where to go, who to talk to and how to report it. But with sexual harassment and discrimination, there's not only shame, but there's also literally just not something like there's no steps. And and it feels like you should know what they are. But in high school, you really don't. Like how many yeah. times have the two of us sitting here, how many times have you been harassed in high school? Like I could yeah. sit here and go over it and over it. Yeah. I have no idea who I would have gone to Yeah, in high school. Like I knew where to go when I had issues with a teacher. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of the other stuff like I want to say that the administration took a lot more time policing what women wore to class than they did making us aware of the steps to take if we were harassed by people. Yeah. So I get I got a hard time for wearing spaghetti strap tank tops because it was distracting, quote unquote, to the boys in class. But if the boys in class, you know, acted on any of their impulses, I was basically left on my own. Like you just deal with it. I had a vice principal who constantly pulled me aside to check and make sure that my fingertips touched the end of my skirt. Probably just because you're tall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But sexual harassment is an unfortunate part of the school day for way too many students. Yeah. According to the latest research on American Association of University Women, 56% of girls in 7th through 12th grade said they'd experienced some form of sexual harassment during the previous school year. That includes verbal, physical, but also in today's day revenge porn yeah revenge porn is really fucking awful mm-hmm. i mean that's what brought katie hill down yeah we'll tell our listeners what re- revenge porn is just in case they oh, don't yeah. know uh you know people use their phones for all kinds of things and a lot of times you take pictures of yourself you send them to someone that you're seeing or someone that you want to see whatever they can save it and then if if something happens like if you break up with them or you guys get in a fight or whatever they then threaten to or actually distribute those images yeah um and it's really not cool (laughs) it's beyond not cool it is that's heinous it's really bad and the and because we live in a society that loves to shame women a lot of times the women are blamed for having these pictures of themselves yeah having taken those pictures and you should be able to take as many fucking Mm -hmm. pictures you should be able to take pictures of yourself naked you should be able to take pictures of yourself doing whatever you want and if you're with somebody that you're supposed to trust they should never ever ever 
do anything with those. It should be deleted post-breakup. Yeah, exactly. That's just really fucked. Yeah, and I told you that story, remember? The um, Oh yeah, this is a great story. Have we told this yet? I don't I don't think so, but if you have if you have told it, it should be told again. Yeah, why not? Let's talk about it. I think it's re- I think it te- it counts as revenge porn. Yes. So, back when I was in college, um I was sleeping around with this uh guy for a few months. He was a film major and uh, we were at his house. There was a big party and we went upstairs to go have sex. And he actually had brought my friend and started trying to get us into a threesome. My friend was like, I'm not into this. I'm out. So the two of us started hooking up and we had sex. We fell asleep for a little bit, woke up, went back down to the party. I came back up like an hour later. He had four other men sitting in the room uh, and they were watching a tape that I didn't know. Because did you consent to having your I sex videotaped? I did not videotaped? consent to. And if I had, which I don't remember doing because I was blackout. Yeah. So like, even if you said, okay, it's even if I said, okay, it doesn't fucking count because I was so drunk that I can I can barely remember anything like I know I went upstairs with him. I know we were making out. I barely remember having actual sex with him. And then I kind of vaguely remember like going down to the party and then coming back up and seeing and like you know when like something traumatic happens you kind yeah. of start to like come back in your adrenaline pumps yeah. and kind of like are like oh my god and so I like saw these people watching me have sex on tape so fucked but then what happened uh his house burned down a few years later which was amazing <laughs> and was the tape inside the tape was inside so like what <laughs> happened was I went after that I went to the cops I tried to report it they pretty much laughed in my face which was great um, and so I went to his house in like a fury uh, because uh, I knew a lot of the people who lived in the house. It was a skater house. Blech. Um, <laughs> and so I like tried to like root around and find it. But he had a thousand fucking tapes. I asked him for it and he refused to give it to me, which is also, by the way, not OK. Not OK. If somebody does choose to have a sex tape with you and they ask for it to be destroyed, that destroy is it. what should happen. You should yeah. fucking destroy it. That is the right answer. And so he refused. And. You know, we fought back and forth. And then a few years later, he texted me and said, you got your wish. My house burned down and the tape was inside. It's so great. It's so great. <laughs> Nobody sometimes, was hurt. But yeah, sometimes the universe gives you exactly what you want. Oh, you know, I. Oh, that was. Yeah, that was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new sponsor and Jesse is really excited about it. She's verklempt, in I'm fact. Verklempt. So Valentine's Day is coming up. And guess what? Our new sponsor is Ballsy. It's, it's Ballsy. And if you're like me, you know people who have balls. And you know what people who have balls really want for Valentine's Day? Ball wash. They also want nut rub. It's a solid cologne for keeping your boys below and full body smelling fresh. Comes in six fragrances, guys. Six fragrances. It's Sex Sprite. It's a portable deodorizing spray. Great for freshening up on the go. You got it, guys. You're on your way to the gym. You pick up your sack spray. You put it in your bag and you spray it on. We talk a lot about women's health care and wellness here on Welcome to My Vagina. But balls today, matter, too. Balls matter, too. Just go to ballwash.com for 20% off your first purchase. Just enter Welcome20 at checkout. Have you ever been teabagged by somebody with smelly nuts? <laughs> If so, <laughs> send them this scrub. send them this coupon code. <laughs> Welcome twenty at ballsy.com. Go balls deep <laughs> on this deal. 
don't want them to sponsor us forever. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, back to title nine. Yeah. Um, since we um discussed how it's been in like more mainstream conversation because of college campuses, I thought we could talk about that for mm-hmm. a moment. Yeah. So there was an Obama era rule that basically allowed the lowest standard of proof to be used in mm-hmm. evidence called preponderance of evidence, um, as opposed to um like overwhelming evidence. Mm-hmm. So basically it the Obama era guidelines for the most part sided with the victim um and the backlash of that was a number of articles that i saw oftentimes they were framed as mothers of accused male students saying basically like my kid would never do this blah 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 blah. this is when i think the idea of due process really entered like mainstream lexicon yeah um was basically when everyone was like well what about his rights which you know of course they also men also should have equal rights yeah everyone should Um, We just don't. Right. So there's been like a little bit of a shuffle here. So since the Met, so DeVos, who's the unqualified head of the Department of Education, who basically just has a fucking shit ton of money and wants to open a bunch of charter schools and fuck all education requirements, changed a lot of these things, a couple of which have been considered okay, a couple of which have been considered terrible. So one of the things was that um, now schools can choose whether to rely on preponderance of evidence or clear and convincing evidence. Mm -hmm. But they have to. The idea is that if they use preponderance of evidence in sexual assault cases, they have to use it for all cases. Okay. They can't just pick and choose. I don't know whether that actually has, you know, bore out the way that they wanted it to. She but she also limited a school's responsibility and liability to investigate incidents that take place on campus or at school sponsored events. Mm. So basically she's saying you know, the school has only limited responsibility if a sexual assault happens on campus or at a, at a school-sponsored event or in off-campus housing. And she gave the accused the right to appoint represent- representatives to cross-examine the accuser. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. Yeah, she's awful. She's a silver snail. She is a silver snail. No, she's a back... She's like a moonwalking silver snail. Yeah, she's going back and up. But she's not nearly as cool. That's she would true. never be able to moonwalk. I understand... Um, I don't. I don't. No, no you don't. I got because rid of it's, it. it doesn't make understand. any sense. I just. She's protecting the elite. Yeah, she is protecting the elite, and also like you know, one of the avenues that schools are using is called a no contact directive mm-hmm. or an NCD, which means that the accused cannot initiate contact with the accuser, but it doesn't actually hinder their movement on campus in any way. No, of course not. So like women who have been sexually assaulted or raped. Um, they have to pass these people in the hallway. They have to share, a, you know, they might have their locker. They might be in class together. They might have friends in common. Yeah. You know, like there's, and what the Title IX legislation, what all of this, what these new guidelines and things don't do is that they don't, it doesn't look at the big, the big picture in terms of what the effects of being assaulted are mm-hmm. in a bigger sense. It's yeah. outside of just that moment. It's outside of that incident. It's, we talked to Donna Freitas about it. And exactly. It affected her entire life. Yeah, still to this, to day. this day. To this day. But a girl with any real spirit will throw herself wholeheartedly into the battle of the bulges. And for her, there are gymnasiums. Our gyms are different. If you don't mind a mauling, you don't have to work. The machines do everything. They beat you and knead you and pummel you and shake you. You just have to be able to take it. Hey, Kate, what's up? Hi. 
Hi, Jesse. How's it going? I'm doing great. You all remember Kate, right? <laughs> me, me, producer Kate. That's me. She's going to tell us a story about Title IX. Here. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was on the soccer team and I was at a new high school my senior year um, in a rural area. And so they didn't have a lot of funding. Uh, it was in uh, High Springs, Florida. You can look them up. I don't care. Anyway. <laughs> They didn't have a lot of funding for their team, so what they would do is the parents would organize what they called booster clubs, and the booster clubs would help payments for bus rides, uniforms, anything, uh, and they would also con sell concessions at games, um, and they did this for, for football, for baseball, for all of it. Well, I was sent home by the soccer football, or the, sorry, I was sent home by the soccer booster club with a bunch of chocolate to sell to pay for my uniform because supposedly the school couldn't pay for it. So, being a somewhat lazy uh, high schooler, I, of course, did not sell that chocolate. Probably ate some of it, if we're being honest, and just figured it would be fine because I didn't understand consequences at the time. <laughs> and, and then my uh, coach was like, oh, okay, did you sell all the stuff? And I was like, mm, no. And, uh, and he was like, okay, well, you owe us, I think, $250 or something like that. Because a lot that's, of chocolate. Yeah, that's right. how much the – it was a big old case of chocolate. I didn't need all of it, okay? I still had it. And I was like, hey, can I give it back? And he was like, no, you signed a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every kid got the same box of chocolate? Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, and I also just didn't tell my mom because I was like, this doesn't matter. And also I'm like trying to focus on school. And it's just yeah. a lot to put on like a 17-year-old kid. So, so then I'm like, oh, mom, we owe the soccer team $250 for my uniform. And my mom was like, no, we absolutely do not. You go to a public school. <laughs> we, yeah. we owe that school nothing. I pay my taxes. So she ended up looking into it and found out that the boys' soccer team had uniforms and a bunch of other things that were, in fact, already paid for. Mm -hmm. And they claimed to be – were being paid for by the booster club. So she was like, okay, what is this booster club nonsense? This is discriminatory. Like, you can't have a private club that's raising a bunch of money for the boys' team and not for the girls' girls team like that's terrible um and it violates uh title nine as yeah. you've talked about so um she ended up like going down to the city clerk because in this tiny town with three thousand people and getting a bunch of xerox copies of the registered uh like finances for the sports teams for the last five years including like the booster club additions and found out that someone involved in the booster club i think one of the moms was having an affair with the baseball coach or the assistant wow. baseball coach and they were embezzling like twenty thousand dollars a year oh my God. or something like real crazy People got fired. Drama ensued. Oh. It was written about in the Alachua Sun. Oh. Um, and, and all then, because of a box of chocolate. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what ha ended up happening because of all the drama was I think the Boys Booster Club got involved. I don't know. I was trying to pay attention to, like, you know, high school stuff going on. Yeah. And uh, But I did get a brand new uniform with my name monogrammed on it and a gym bag. Oh. Everyone else go. got one, too. Um, and I didn't have to pay for that chocolate. <laughs> Title nine. Title nine. Thank you. Thank you, Kate, for that <laughs> fabulous story. <laughs> Looking for more queer magic in your life? Check out Queers Next Door, the new podcast by Megan Ashley and Sex Coach Lee. Available wherever fine podcasts are shot into space and back into your ears.
We chat about sex, dating, entertainment, and self-care, and invite other fabulous queers to share who they are and what they're passionate about. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Queers Next Door. Cheers, queers! Thanks for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Welcome to My Vagina. On Twitter at Welcome to My Vag. Soon to be on Medium. You can donate to us at Patreon, LiberaPay, PayPal, and uh, Venmo at Welcome to My Vagina. Yeah, become a monthly subscriber. Yeah. Yeah, go to WelcomeToMyVagina.com and become a subscriber to our newsletter as mm-hmm. well. You can email us at welcome to my vagina at gmail.com. We like questions and fan art and jingles. And suggestions for future episodes. True. Check out Jesse's awesome videos at on YouTube. Just search for Welcome to My Vagina. Check out Rebecca's awesome writing at franklyrebecca.com. Please also remember that our amazing intro song was done by Wooly Willie. Please check him out on Instagram and Pay him money to make you an amazing jingle. Uh, you can find him at Willy Willy. W-O-O-L-L-Y-W-I-L-L-I-E. And head on over to morebanana.com to check out all of the awesome projects by our production company. Yeah. And thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate, for being our amazing, dope-ass fucking producer. <laughs> cool.